This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Last week, we were talking all about retention emails, and this week, we're going to go deep on email again. But more specifically, we're going to talk about post-purchase, and even more specific than that, we're going to talk about using email in your returns experience. Now, last week, we introduced our Klaviyo integration, and with that comes almost endless possibilities. And that got Joe and I thinking, how would we integrate email into a returns experience if we were running a brand? And here's what we thought. All right, Joe, so we're talking post-purchase emails. Specifically, we want to talk about the return experience, how we integrate emails to build a better experience there. Because me personally, I don't know about you, I feel like this is probably the most overlooked place to be using emails. Most brands aren't thinking of returns in the same sense that, uh, well, returns emails in the same sense that they're thinking of pre-purchase or acquisition emails, but same opportunity to use your voice, same opportunity to speak to the customer and and really guide them on this journey. So definitely excited to be digging in. Yeah. And even when we think about post-purchase emails, you'll see a lot of brands right now focusing on those post-purchase flows. Like, oh, someone just made a purchase. How are we going to incur? Like, what is the emails going to be like in between the purchase and actually getting it? And we're going to talk about how to make that clean experience and a branded experience if they end up with a product that they don't love. And I think the best place for us to start here is with some of the goals. So like if we're putting together an email strategy to go alongside our returns experience, like what should we even be looking at? Well, there are a few things to look at. I think when you think about returns, you know, if I was going to cherry pick one, the first thing we, we always think of is repeat purchase rate. That's the North Star and a return. You don't want to think of a return as the end. The return is just a path. It's one step that a customer takes on this journey to being a lifelong fan. So I think repeat purchase rate is the first one that comes to mind to me. I, and I know there are others, but but that's the first that I think is the most important to really dig into. 100%. And yeah, we, we can't look at the return as the end of the relationship and like, oh, like this is done, relationship over. If we do, we're leaving money on the table. So repeat purchase rate, repeat customer rate. Like we need to be viewing these emails from that lens because we'll put great strategies in place if we can encourage that person to not end the relationship here, but actually get them to come back and make an additional purchase. I think for me, one that this might be like a bit of a a hot take, but like straight conversion. I think there's some tactics that we can talk about today where you can integrate your return policy into existing email flows to better your conversion rates before return even happens. Maybe we talk, we say like, instead of conversion, maybe it's like higher customer confidence, maybe semi-hot take here, but I think we're going to talk a bit about that too. That's my goal I want to talk about in terms of emails. That's a big one and a bold one. Um, your return policy is a marketing asset. So I, yeah, I'm excited to dig into that topic. I think brands aren't expecting to hear it, but uh, that's a good one. And I think last one is the one that if we were to just walk up to someone and say, hey, what kind of emails do you have with your current returns experience? It would be the ones that are more about transparency and clear communication, kind of like the transactional. How do we let people know what's going on? And I think those are important too. Like we can't, we can't ignore that as a goal of this type of email. Yeah, those are table stakes. We got to check the box. We have to do some things well, and you have to do those first before you can do some of the fancier conversion rate tactics or the repeat purchase rate tactics. So I, I love that. Let's start with one that I think everyone should be using. And it, it has to do with that kind of hot take of conversion. So hear me out on this one, including your return policy or a link to your return policy in pretty much like all of your campaign-based emails. 
If you're encouraging someone to buy, having a link to it in any of those emails that are going out the door. I don't know that many brands are doing this today. We can think of a few, uh, but I don't think many brands are actually thinking about promoting the return policy in this way. And I think the reason that people aren't doing this is, again, a lot of brands think it's something to hide. I don't want people getting to my return policy. I don't want people getting to my return experience because I don't want refunds to happen. So people are like purposely trying to make it hard to find. But the brands that we see doing this and including it in their emails, they're viewing it as it increases the confidence. It reduces the perceived risk of me jumping in and making a purchase. So why not include a link to help someone feel more confident in the offer that you're giving them in your email? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a casualty of, of the way brands think where we think returns are bad. And because returns are bad, I'm going to ignore them or not certainly not going to be the one to bring it up to a customer. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we just don't see that as the reality. I mean, like you think of signing up for an email form and you end up opting into this brand's community. And, and the first email you get is like, great product, great product, of course, maybe some content. And then there's reassurance, like... If you want to return it, you can. Give us a shot. It's a great story and a great message that a, that a customer is certainly going to react to and, and feel better about you because of it. And I think one reason that people, like, I can hear people, like, shuddering at this from where we are right now. I feel like people are going to feel that way because of the way their return policy looks. Like, if I was going to send someone to my return policy, is it just this big wall of text that's on my site somewhere. Like, do I actually want to be sending anyone to that? So I think there's a two-parter to this is if you're going to include it in your email communication, and like I personally think you should, it's going to help with your conversion rates. Make sure that you have a great branded customer experience when they land on that policy page as well. This is not a just include it and send them to that wall of text because that's really not going to help you out. No. And again, like I think anytime a brand thinks about this type of tactic where you're going to put return policy, free returns, free exchanges, messaging in a pre-purchase email, it's always good to think of how the customer is feeling. Like always best reset and what's the customer going through at this moment? Okay, well, they just abandoned their cart. Why do they abandon their cart? They're not sure. They're not convinced. They're maybe fearful that it's not going to work out. So if you get in the right mindset of what that customer's thinking, you can put this message in the right place and push them over the edge with confidence. Interesting. You said cart recovery there. That's it. I'm talking about like I'm I'm sending out just my regular email campaigns, like making sure I have a, a, a link in there. Now you're talking about including in the cart recovery. I think that's a fantastic spot. It's one of the many very critical moments in a buying journey especially because of how much you've invested to get them there. You spend so much time and money on an Instagram ad, on your website, on email campaigns, and they finally load up their cart and then they bounce. Like, can't be anything worse than that. So yeah, really sensitive spot. And ask yourself, why are they bouncing? It's so funny because I feel like a lot of people, the the common, why did they abandon their cart is price. I feel like everyone just feels, oh, the item was too expensive. Man, we should we should do this. We should run a we should run a consumer survey to be like, hey, why are you abandoning your cart? Why do you leave something in your cart and see what people say? I'm fairly certain price is not going to be the number one reason. Do you have a guess? I think it's confident. Like I've act- I actually abandoned a cart yesterday buying shorts because I was like, uh, I'm not sure about the size. Like I'm gonna go read some reviews and like see how this fits. So for me, it was sizing related there. I also had an abandoned cart email the other day that I got and it was legit because I opened it up and then I got called upstairs by my wife and just like forgot about it. So like I didn't need 15% off. I legit just forgot. Yeah, I think the reality of why customers abandoned carts is pretty bland. I imagine if we polled customers, they'd probably say something like, 
I'm just not sure. I don't know. I'm just not. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just. One, I'm just not ready yet. Which is like even more of a reason to put something like free returns in your policy or in this email. Because it's like, okay, well, we're not sure either. Give it a shot. If you don't like it, send it back. Free returns, free exchanges, and that actually is a great segue into what I think is another great way to bolster your returns email communication. Is a return is an umbrella for a couple different outcomes: refund, gift card, exchange. And actually having different follow-up emails when someone actually does a return with you based on the type of return they selected. So like, hey, did you want a refund? Did you want a gift card? Did you want an exchange? Like how do we change up those emails based on what that customer's telling us with the selection they chose? Yeah, that's actually a really good call because they're all different uh, from why the customer would end up there. You know, like didn't like the product, kind of like the product, but didn't like the size. Yeah, there's so many just branching pathways of why a customer would return and make sense you'd want to say something different. So which do you think is the most important? So I think there's two here. I think the most obvious one is store credit with like how you want to change up your email when someone's holding on to future money. Pretty obvious what you want them to do there. Like, hey, we want to send you to use that store credit on something else. The two that are really interesting to me is the exchange and the refund. And I think it it really comes down to, and like this is, Obviously, I say this all the time. It's like you want to be driving refunds to exchanges. So I think when someone is taking that exchange path, making sure that you are thanking them for the exchange, don't make it feel like it's a negative that they have to pick a different product. Make it feel like, hey, we're glad you're getting into the product you love. Give them a timeline on like how long that exchange is going to take. So like, Joe, you've seen a million brands with how they set up their exchange process is some people just send the new item out right away. Some people want to inspect it. Some people are waiting like different amounts of times, making sure that in that communication on the exchange, that you're actually being very specific with when things are going to happen. When can I expect that new product? Yeah, that's that's a really good call. The time piece, it, it, waiting on an exchange is just like waiting on a purchase. It's like you have this anticipation and excitement waiting for it to show up. And so if I'm just left in the dark on when it's going to arrive, it's going to seed some pretty bad feelings in me. So yeah, I think that's a really good call. In, introducing time and visibility. So I know that, okay, cool. I got three days till the shirt that fits shows up. And that's that's a really good feeling. I would argue that the person is probably even a bit more antsy on an exchange than on the original purchase, right? It's like, let, let's imagine it's shoes. I bought them, I got a size nine, I put them on, they're a bit too small and I need a size 10 and I'm like, send those old ones out and the new ones are on their way in. It's like, I've already put them on. I'm like, these look dope. Like, I love these shoes. And now I'm just like, now I'm just waiting for the right version of it. I'm already super excited about it. So I think it's even more important than those transactional emails that are kind of happening when the order first goes out. Because like I have a couple orders going right now and I have the I have the shop app on my phone and I'm legit checking where they're at like every single day. The thing with shoes just prompted this uh, because it, it's so interesting when a customer gets a product, even if it doesn't fit, they try it on, they realize like, oh, this is the style I want. This is the color I want. It just doesn't fit, so I'm gonna exchange it. And some really interesting thoughts start to come into play. Like you with your shoes. Ooh, I could wear these at this party coming up at my, you know, fiance's house. Oh, I could wear these when I go out to the Saturday night d- dinner, whatever. Um, ooh, this would look really good with another pair of pants that I have in my closet. Like, can't wait for this to show up. And I think that's a, a, a thought that many brands should consider here is helping a customer complete the outfit after they've just submitted an exchange. Because now they know they like the pair of shoes. Well, do you have socks that match? Do you have pants that match? Do you have a shirt that might go well with it? That's a great time to be inserting product recommendations is right after they've submitted an exchange because you know they love it. 
I love that. And even like my example the other day about abandoning my cart because of sizing was actually for shorts. I need some shorts for the summer. If I got them, bought mediums, realized they need a large and I send those back and like I get an email saying, hey, like we noticed you sized up here. You clearly love the shorts. You're getting a new pair. Why not add another one? Because like shorts and shirts, like color variation, like I, I can get them in gray and beige and like, oh, awesome. I know this is going to be the right size now because like I already tried it, got into a bigger one. Okay, let's get like two of those coming back the other way the next time. I don't know about you, but that's how I am with pants. I've got these J. Crew pair of pants or like 484 slims. I don't know what the hell they are, but I get one in every single color. And if they were to jump on me right when it happened, I would have bought three or four pairs because I, you know, I'm a lifelong fan now. But that's a total, a real behavior that you can tap into. I'm 100% with you there. And I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, pants and shorts. Once I find a short or like a pair of pants, I like every color, every style of it. Cause I'm like, all right, this is it. <laughs> there might be something there. I've never thought of this before, but there might be something there with pants and shorts specifically where it's, it's like a low, you, you want like low cognitive load and picking them out. Like you just want to know you have pants and know you have shorts that you like, but they're never really going to be your statement pieces. That's a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. They're always there. I can combo them with anything. That's right. Like your shirts, you want to put something on that's like fancy and expressive, but your shorts, you really just want them to do the job. Yeah. Like your, your sick crew neck today. <laughs> that's right yeah basics baby that all basics all day so talked a bit about the exchange there how would you change up that email for a refund so we talked about everything like you would add into that post-purchase flow when they select an exchange i'm a customer and ask for my money back what would you do there yeah so refunds the dreaded refund well I, I think i mean the first thing i would do if i was a brand i'd look at the refund interaction and say okay cool is this the end of the relationship and I think most brands look at refunds and say yes, because it allows them to then move on and focus on something else. Like, oh, refunds and moving on, let me go acquire a new customer to replace them. But, um, but the reality is like, if you don't have a brick and mortar store where someone's coming into shop or you're not Amazon where, you know, 80% of your purchases are repeat customers, this is likely a first time customer coming in, tried out a product on a whim, didn't like it, asked for a refund. And that interaction starts to look like shopping no different than taking a product off the rack, trying it on in the fitting room, and then putting it back because you didn't like it. There's still dozens, hundreds, thousands of SKUs that they might actually want. So when I'm looking at the refund email, I'd be looking at it through that lens. Okay, you tried it out, didn't work. How can I convince you to try something else in this refund confirmation email? Because it might not be the end. That's interesting. So even something like, hey, we're sorry this one didn't work out for you. Here's like 20% or like here's Here's some sort of incentive to get them to come back and like try it again. Don't let that refund just turn into like, hey, I got that money back and like I can just forget about this. Like from the customer's perspective, you talked about from the brand, like, oh, let's move on. That's over. Don't let the customer think that about you, though. It's like, oh, this product wasn't right. Okay, done clean break, never talking to them or coming back here again. <laughs> yeah. If you neglect your refund email and just make it seem like, uh, you know, screw you, you're, you're breaking up with me. So here's your money back and, you know, customers are going to respond. So I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, speaking to the customer in a way that just lets them know, like, it's cool. No harm off our back. You tried it. You didn't like it. You mentioned the 20% off discount. I mean, you know, 10, 15, 20%, pick a number. But I think that's a really interesting piece too, because customers don't expect it. And now it's like, oh, you're going to continue to invest in me even after I just asked for my money back. It's a surprising moment. I think there's two other things that I would be adding to my refund follow-up email as well. And okay. the first is I would be asking for feedback. And not, yeah, not everyone's going to actually fill that in, but I feel like the place where you're going to get the most honest feedback, and it might be a little, like 
when when someone's upset, they're going to be very honest with you. They're going to be very real. You might have to filter through like some explicities to to get to like the core point, but there's no better place to learn than through there. Someone ended up with a product that they don't love. Let's say we already captured the return reasons there, but being able to say like, hey, we're sorry this didn't work out for you. Like anything you want to share with us. They might say something like, oh, like your marketing ads really overpromised on this. And I felt like the product underdelivered based on what I saw. And like, you're not going to get that without asking and digging deeper. You're not going to get that with return reasons. I mean, you'll get like product specific, like, oh, sleeves were too tight, you know, what have you. But that's an interesting point. Like some actual high level perspective on the brand as a whole, not just a reason on a product. That's a, that's an interesting call to actually ask that question in the follow-up. And the final thing I would add to this is actually the same thing as I was recommending on the exchange follow-up is timeline. So when someone wants their money back, say the the experience, it didn't live up to their expectations. They just want their money back. Fine. That's okay. When is that refund going to be processed? Hey, like it's going to be processed immediately. Like we've done it right now. Allow two days for you to see that on your credit card. Hey, we'll issue the refund. Like as soon as the returned item hits the post office, just being very clear in those emails, like, Hey, you've initiated your refund. The funds are going to come back to your credit card. When you do X set a very clear expectation for that person or else that will turn into a conversation with your support team. Yeah. It's uh, one of those moments where you you ever go through like an experience where you can almost feel that there was so much planning and like detail, attention to detail that went into it? Because you can just feel every step of the way that, you know, if, whether it's a party or an event or anything that's happening, there's clearly been thought that's been put into this process. I think you ha- in some way have can have that kind of effect with these reminders on refund timing because you can let them know that, hey, first thing that's going to happen is we're going to receive your product back at the warehouse. Now we've got a team of 10 working down there and they're going to do our best to make sure that they get this back to you quickly. Two days later, you can expect your money to be refunded back to you. And then two days after that, back onto your credit card. Like just really simple details like that can make the customer feel like, whoa, you really went out of your way to make sure that I understand what's happening and that it was smooth and comes back to me quickly. Smooth. And I think this actually goes into like another tip I would recommend. And that's, we talked a bit about the transparency side of things and just like making sure that you're clear on everything. Yes, making it feel like it was thought out and planned, but also make it on brand. I have bought so many things where I go to return something and I get like these beautiful on-brand emails, like the experience is so well thought out. And then you go to return something and again, wall of text on the site, I go and I do it. I get an email that's like, thanks, your refund has been processed. And it's basically just like plain text after I got like a completely different experience on the front of that. Like in your party example, it's like all the the invitations are awesome, blah, blah, blah. You come and you go to leave the party. And instead of being like, hey, thanks for coming. It's like, there's the door, kick them with a boot. Like, <laughs> see you next time or see you never. <laughs> yeah, there, and like, it is just kind of a, like we messed up moment. And so you can introduce your personality into those touch points. Like if you're a brand that swears, say damn it in your refund confirmation emails. Like it's a bummer for us, it's a bummer for you. It's just a great call out, you know, make it feel not like a transaction. The use of language there. I actually haven't checked out their return emails, but like Pit Viper is someone that that stands out to me on like, they could have a lot of fun with their transactional updates on the return side of things. Totally agree. When you're thinking about those transactional pieces, are there like a few that you think are must haves? Like if you're a customer going through this process of a return, exchange refund or otherwise, like what do you need to know to feel confident? Well, I think there are a few touch points that are more impactful than others. So you always want to have a touch point come from you via email when it's contextual for the customer. So like 
the opposite of this would be, I'm just off doing my thing and you decide to ping me on a random Sunday afternoon. Like not exactly the best time to hit me up. But there are some very clear points in the returns journey where it's customers doing something and that something should have a great message that goes with it from you. So first and foremost, like easiest example, the moment they drop it off to the carrier, you're going to know about it and use that email to respond to them in real time. We've received it. It's on the way. Thank you. Insert cuss words, fun things that make it feel branded. But like that's a moment where the brand's looking at you, metaphorically, looking at you and you speak back to them. And that's a really important touch point. And anytime you have that sort of moment with the customer, you should really use it to your advantage. And also to like put yourself in the customer's shoes there, you drop it off There are so many returns experiences where I drop it off at the post office and crickets. And like, I I actually don't know what's going on, right? Like it's on its way back. Did they know it's on its way back? Is it just going to land on some random dock somewhere? And like, they don't even know about it. Like I'm feeling incredibly vulnerable when I do that and having that come back right away. Like, Hey, Alex, like we just saw you put that in the mail. It's on its way back to us. Thank you. Again, insert like your branded verbiage there. Super powerful. And if you're a small startup that has that level of detail in the customer experience, the customer service aspect of your business, that's almost impressive. If I were to drop off a product and it's like, hey, Alex, we just heard that you dropped this off. Thank you for doing that. Like, we'll take care of it from here. Yeah, that that makes you seem a lot bigger than you are. The we'll take care of it from here. That's a really good line. It's like, hey, Alex, your part in this is over. It's on us now. We got the rest. That's a really good way to make me feel good and like, okay, with what I've just done. I I don't have any more part to play in this. They're going to inspect it or like, hey, maybe my new item's already on its way. My refund's being processed as of right now. Great. I know what's up. Yeah. And like, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, well, what if it doesn't make it to the warehouse? Like, are they, are they going to penalize me? Are they going to give me my money back? And I'm a hundred percent thinking that, like, I feel like most customers are thinking that when they, when they go and they drop it off. So like, just get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Reassurance. Love that. Is there any other places that you think are like a bit like as impactful of a moment in the returns experience as that, that people should like that we can maybe be building an email around? Well, okay. I'll just piggyback on what we were just talking about. It's when that product actually arrives at the warehouse. So that's that moment that, you know, closes the, uh, I'm going to say it, it closes the loop so to speak. But that's the, from the moment, Ayo, shout out. Uh, That's the moment the customer drops it in the mail and you know, you ping them then. And then there's this random time that happens. One, two, three days. I don't know. It depends on your shipping method, but then it shows up. And I think when it shows up is a really important time to say like, we're on the finish line and about to give you your money back or about to place your exchange order. Interesting. We're about to give you your money back. I think like that's probably the final big checkpoint, big milestone. It's like, Hey, you sent it back. We've received it. And your expected outcome has now been processed. And I feel like that's a really important one too, because sometimes there is even a lead time from that point. It's like, oh, I've approved it. Like refund's been approved. Joe, it's coming back to you, but like give it two or three days to to hit your credit card. So that's not like, oh, it's done. And then I go and check my credit card statement. I'm like, where is it? Over communicate is what I'm hearing from you right now. Like we just give me all the details. Because if I'm a, I mean, you're exactly right. If I'm a customer, you're not bogging me. It's my money. So like, you're not bogging me down, letting me know what the ins and outs of how this is going to happen. Like it's it's reassuring. So I love that. Yeah, how down to how many days it's going to take. Yeah, I'm just going to reiterate here. It's like those those transactional updates, they're important for transparency and customer confidence. But again, like don't just make them matter of fact emails, put some of your own like brand flair, brand personality into these. It goes a long way when I feel like I'm getting a consistent experience from saw ad, went to site, made purchase, all the email communication I got to get me to that purchase. Like don't drop the ball now 
just because you think it's the end of the relationship. And I hope through this conversation, like everything that Loop tells you is it's not the end of a relationship. Any type of return outcome can be future opportunity. And don't forget what happens when my refund gets cleared and it's back on my credit card. I'm ready to spend it again. That's sunk cost. You know, I'm, I'm ready to put it back out into the market. Someone's going to get it. So might as well keep reinvesting in me and maybe I'll give it back to you. I love that. So one thing that at the top of this, we're talking about, we just released our, our Klaviyo integration, which makes these types of emails easier than ever to customize and build flows around. One thing that you and I talked briefly about is segmenting customers. So now like basically with the information that we're sending to Klaviyo, we in Klaviyo can start to look at certain lists of people based on return events. And as soon as I heard that, there's one that stuck out to me, and I'll flip this back to you and maybe you have an example too, is using return reason to segment your customer base. So for me, there's one like sizing, people are going to get a wrong product because of sizing all the time. There's one that there's one type of return reason that really sucks though. It's like wrong product arrived or defective product arrived. And being able to have a flow specific to that scenario and like really apologizing and going above and beyond what you would normally do to make that right. That really sucks when you get a product that's damaged, broken, or even worse, the wrong product than what I ordered. Yeah, at that point, you don't, you know, you don't want to be too over the top with it, but it is almost like a sorry. It needs to be said. You need to kind of write your wrong as the brand. So that's a, that's a really good call out. Like if you, if you have a customer signaling to you that their return reason was defective, you need a different message at that point. And actually great call out for anyone listening right now and you're, and you've made it this far in the podcast, the Klaviyo integration with Loop, you can use return reasons to segment in Klaviyo. So that's a, that's a powerful use case and also a sensitive interaction for the customer, of course. Anything else stand out to you with with all the power we've just given brands? Like anything you would grab there and run with? I think introducing the returns content pre-purchase in all of your emails is going to be a massive unlock. Like if I was going to do one thing tomorrow, it'd be that. And then following up with the, the table stakes things of sending transactional emails and your status updates is all really good. But you really got my gears turning here on the segmentation piece. And I think there's a case to be made that if you've checked all of these other boxes, right, like you've done the things we've covered today, you can really start to go pretty deep and and segment your content based on it being their first return or reverse it being their second return or their third and fourth and fifth return. Like if someone's at their fifth return and, you know, it's over a good, healthy amount of time, this is like a family member who is just like shopping, coming back, buying, purchasing again. So I would be segmenting and changing my messaging based on how long and how many touch points I've had with this customer. Make it more intimate each time we go a layer deeper. It's so funny because when you say that about returns, I'm like, wow. But then when I think about like, it's something that brands are already doing with post-purchase flows as an example. Like you have something that you say when someone makes a purchase for the first time, you have something slightly different for the second, the third, the fourth, like as they go from first time customer to repeat customer to loyal customer, like your language changes. Can we be finding some of these similar signals in the returns experience to tell us like, Again, like you said, in a healthy amount of time, we don't want someone who's just like a serial returner hitting this in a week. But if people are interacting with this, like the reason you have free returns or free exchanges is you want people to get into products they love. And when people are taking advantage of that, like in a good way, that's great. And like, how do we change our language to be like, welcome, like you're becoming more and more a part of this family. Yeah, I mean, one of the great examples that I always come back to, it kind of fits in nicely here, but Nix, uh, Nix in Canada Selling Intimates, they do fit consultations. And it might not make sense for every brand to offer up your support team to do a fit consultation on every first purchase. But imagine if someone's on like their second or third 
purchase and they've exchanged it maybe two or three times. And now you're inserting a message to say like, hey, you're clearly giving us a shot. You clearly like this product and want to make it work. Let's offer you a fit consultation now on your second exchange and offer that type of content in context of an exchange confirmation email. Like there's just so much you can do as you go deeper. And I, yeah, it's, it, it works. The fit consultation or even like a style consultation. It's like, Hey, someone is very particular because again, like once we know return reasons, if it's color style, like not necessarily the size, but like other things that are causing the person to send this back. Like, Hey, it doesn't look the way I thought it did in the actual images offering up like style consultation. Like this person clearly cares a lot about the particular items that they choose. Can we offer something like that and get them to make like a big purchase where it's like, Hey, we're going to have a, like basically an online personal shopper help you pick everything you want. I mean, if anyone here shops at Madewell, I know it's like women's jeans, but my fiance shops at Madewell jeans. And every time she goes in, someone sits down with her and talks to her as if they've memorized every single detail of every pair of jeans that they have in the store. And she just loves getting this information from them. And if you can recreate that online, you're, you know, to your point, it doesn't have to be fit. It could be style. Like if someone spent $300 with you across, you know, multiple purchases, it's probably worth proactively offering them five minutes of your time. I think it's going to go a long way. So if I had to summarize everything we're talking about here, I think like number one is don't let this experience just be the way it is right now. Like make sure you're branding it, make sure you're building it into your own. I think the second piece of it is that conversion confidence piece is like, I personally would be making sure it, especially if you have a customer focused centric return policy, making sure that that gets into your email communication, it's going to help with the confidence and conversion. And being able to offer a slightly different path because you want a slightly different outcome depending on whether someone refunded, exchanged, or took store credit. And the segmentation of this, being able to look at look at everyone who's returned and being able to send emails based on, hey, let's look for someone who looks like this and be able to talk to them more intimately. I mean, like everyone knows in email marketing, the game is like, can you have a great segment to speak more deeply about something? For any support agents or people that are in the marketing department on their organization, you're going to look pretty smart if you come back and offer up these tactics to your team. And yeah, take them on, reach out to us if you have questions on any of these three topics. We'd be happy to support. It will change your business for the better. Yeah, and we'll make sure that in the show notes, we have a link to to check out the details on the Clavio integration as well, because that is unlocking a lot of what we talked about today. Clavio is just the best. Reach out to them if you haven't already. They're going to be so awesome working together with us. So excited this integration's out. been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.